Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Julie Gould, and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Throughout this series on technology and science, I've been finding people to talk about what technologies have changed the way science is being done. Now, the biggest one so far, in my opinion anyway, is the fact that coding has become ubiquitous. Researchers across all fields, not just in science, are needing to develop this skill in order to delve deeper into their data and develop the tools they need to test their hypotheses. But there is another way that technology is having an impact on research. So in this fifth episode of our technology series, I wanted to look a little more at how technologies are changing the way that labs are being run and teams are being managed. And I met with Ben Britton. He's a senior lecturer and Royal Academy of Engineering Research Fellow based at Imperial College London. His research focuses on understanding materials for aerospace, oil and gas and nuclear power applications. Now, over the years, his team has become quite substantial, and so it's become more and more difficult to keep up to date with every member. A few years ago, Ben started using Slack to communicate with his team, and he says that it's changed the way that he now manages them. I have a team of, uh, at the moment, there's four postdoctoral researchers, there's about 11 PhD students, and there's four master's students in my group at the moment. So it's quite a big activity. That is a big activity. A lot of people to look after. Yeah, they keep me busy. I bet. Tell me a little bit about what you and your team do. Um, So we are interested in sort of interfacing between science and engineering. Um, And so we do basic science understanding of how materials, most mostly metals, uh, perform. So we extract very small mechanical test specimens. So we sort of squish uh, little bits of material that are about uh, four micrometers tall, so a twentieth of the width of the human hair, um, and we squish them and extract the mechanical performance. And we take that data and we help understand how the materials perform in service. So things like understanding nuclear fuel cladding materials uh, for nuclear reactors. Now, on your profile, on the Imperial website, it says, as you have already said, you develop new experimental techniques and use computational tools to aid the mm-hmm. research that you do. Yep. So tell me a little bit about the computational tools that you're using to develop those new experimental techniques. And so our experiments uh, typically involve, as I briefly mentioned, this mechanical testing, but we also take images as we do the, do the tests. Uh, and then we, uh, so we use a scanning electron microscope to enable us to image the object deforming. And we watch how that deforms, and then we characterize at each time step the deformation, how that material has changed its shape. Uh, and so we develop, for instance, uh, computational analysis tools to enable us to understand that pattern of deformation. Um, we also link our experiments very closely to uh, the computational models. 
So we use those models to predict the performance, and that enables us to target the design of the experiments that then can go through and help us design actual components because you can scale things up in the model much easier than you can scale in the experiment. Um, and then we also use the uh, computational tools. So we use uh, what we call crystal plasticity methods. So this is where we squidge and squash metals in the computer. Uh, and we use those to effectively test hypotheses. Now, one of the exciting things about technology is that you use it to help solve particular problems that you have in the laboratory. And um, I imagine as someone who's looking to develop new experimental techniques, you're constantly trying to find new ways to use that technology to test those materials. Can you talk me through, um, I guess, a challenge that you've had where you've had to develop your own piece of kit or your own piece of technology? So we do a lot of uh, sort of development of these image analysis and actuation, so controlling the systems. We do a lot of our work actually within MATLAB as our main programming environment. It's not the perfect uh, computational language or, or, or scripting language to use, but it's very quick. And so it enables us to take an idea that we have in the morning and actually develop it sort of uh, later in that day or later in the week to just test because you get that very visual interaction and feedback from the uh, developments that you do. And also there's a huge user base, so you can rely and communicate quite easily with other people, both within our research group, everyone uses this tool, um, and also internationally elsewhere. And so that's a, a very powerful aspect now is that we are sharing ideas of how we use the, the computational tools uh, and to develop instrumentation, which is part of what we do in this space, um, as well as analysis uh, and overlapping in that space. So... An example of, of oh. some instrumentation that you've had to develop to try and do a test that you've hypothesized yeah. via your computer <laughs> models. Have you got anything uh, like that? I do. Uh, so we use uh, large uh, synchrotron beamline facilities. So in the UK, there is the diamond light source. Um, and that enables us to focus a very narrow beam. So we call it a pencil beam. It's a narrow probe of x-rays of polychromatic light, so multiple colors. We then shine that on our pillar. And at the same time, we are performing a mechanical test. We actually developed an entire control software to enable us to move our sample within uh, the X-ray beamline and enable us to control where we hit, where which object we are deforming. Um, and that was effectively building an integrated optical microscope with mechanical stages and some control with some sort of uh, feedback loops of that process that were being uh, sent through our, our MATLAB toolings. You mentioned you have quite a, a large team that mm -hmm. you're that you're working with. Um, I imagine having a good working environment and good communication and good trust in that team is key to making sure that all those developments and those experiments run well. Uh, very much so. There's not enough time in the day for you to micromanage every individual person. And also part of being in an academic environment, a lot of it is about developing people trying to encourage a working environment where people are free to share ideas, they're free to fail. It's important that we learn learn from our mistakes um, and also to have a very open communication. Um, and so we've been using uh, Slack as a technology uh, to enable us to have a sort of online presence that is uh, international and uh, I'm often traveling. It's the nature of being an academic um, and that enables me to interact with the team, but also I'm encouraging them to talk to each other online as well as offline. So the Slack technology does not replace the in-person interactions, but it supplements and enhances uh, what we can offer in our training environment. What is Slack? <laughs> so Slack is one of many sort of online communication technologies. So it's within a browser, it's on a computer, and you can put it on your mobile phone. Within the thing, effectively, I can have as the group leader, I can invite my team to join my Slack group. 
In that grouping, we effectively have a series of public channels where we will discuss common topics. Some of them may be effectively very focused. So and if we have a, an experiment at a synchrotron coming up, we will form a group around that. And we can collate notes, we can collate understanding of the process of getting there and communicate so that everyone sees those conversations. We can also have it where those sort of uh, more general conversations. So if we see an interesting article uh, related to academia or sort of outside things that we think will be interesting in the current landscape, uh, we can share those with each other quite easily without spamming each other's inboxes, for instance. Um, and then the other major aspect of this is we have private messaging. So it's kind of like WhatsApp that we can direct message each other and actually direct message groups. But it's quite nice instead of just running your research group through WhatsApp, which can be intrusive on your personal space, you have this work-based sort of environment to, to keep things located. Um, and yeah, it, it's transformed the way that I run my research group in that space. How has it transformed your the way you run it? Traditionally within my research group, we would have, we, well, we still do, we have a weekly meeting. So the weekly meeting, it happens Friday morning, 9.30 to 11, week in, week out. So in that meeting, we do the traditional things. We have a congratulations of recent successes, a discussion of recent issues that we've had. It's a good chance for people to see each other and catch up in person on issues. And people will practice presentations and do the usual catch-ups that you do in a, in a scientific meeting. What Slack enables us to do on top of that is, for instance, so Monday morning, there is a bot, um, so just an automated system uh, called Howdy that you can enable for your Slack team. And Howdy will work on my behalf and ask three questions to my research group. What are you planning to do this week? Is anything holding up your work? And would you like a face-to-face -face meeting? And it's a very nice way for me to triage from my perspective of management, who do I really need to see? Are there stupid things that I have not solved? And I can just quickly fire off an email, give a phone call and say, please, can you help this person? There's an order held up or something like that. And by me having a flavor of what they're planning week on week, I can track and follow their progress. But I don't necessarily need to have that half an hour meeting with everybody. So say someone is stuck and they can't come in and they send a message via Slack. Why Slack and not just an email? So the, the problem I have with my email box is it's huge. Uh, while we're sitting here doing the interview, I probably get off the order of 50 emails, many of which are just general spam, but quite a lot of them are actioned. And there's a formality to how we engage with email. So there's a, you, you'll often write, dear so-and-so, you'll write kind regards, there's a politeness and all that sort of stuff. With something like Slack, it's much more like text messaging. You just go, I'm stuck with this, can I have some help? So you just get that straight to the point, it's direct. You can have that feedback of the conversation where you have a couple of lines from one person, a line back. I say to them also, if there are formal things, you can chase me on both channels. But quickly, if you want a yes, no answer, Slack is a great way to do it. Slack is capable of much more than just communication between people. It's also a tool that people use to communicate with other apps. So Slack itself is sort of a platform that has this integration with other apps, I think it is sort of. Yeah. And so it has an integration. So I've mentioned previously Howdy as this tool, and Howdy also exists on a web, so I can go back and look at previous group online group meetings. It also integrates quite nicely with things like uh, Google Docs, so we can share documents through it. And the other thing that's very useful, so most of the Slack communication is uh, via uh, typing words, but you can also make phone calls through it. And you can actually have Skype-like meetings in the Slack environment itself. So really what Slack has done is it's taken all these different things that you might use as a researcher and put them all in one place. 
Yeah, and it's made them sort of seamlessly interchange in a way that's quite easy to use. And the other benefit from the perspective of the, the process is that it's, you can put it on your phone, you can put it on your computer, and you can put it on your browser. So is Slack capable of monitoring experiments, for example, by connecting through various apps and APIs that you've set up to monitor your, your research? Yes. So it, there's, a, there's an API stack that you can engage with, and we have used it in the past. Not very much, but we might use it for one particular experiment that it will basically, you can send messages from the, the device to your Slack group. Um, and vice versa, you can do it the other way. Uh, and that can be quite useful. For instance, if you're running an analysis on a server computer, it can just ping a message to a group to say that resource is now freed up uh, in that space. Thanks to Ben Britton. In the last episode of this series, I'm going to share some thoughts from our previous interviewees on what the big future technologies are going to be. Not only that, I'm actually going to speak to Professor Lee Cronin again about his computer a piece of kit that he's been wanting to develop for years, but technology has only recently allowed him to do so. I wanted to make a search engine, a chemical Google, to search for the origin of life. That's where I'm coming at this. And many years ago, I designed a system for doing chemistry robotically so we could automatically do chemistry. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.